Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. Let me start this morning off with a prayer. So if you'll, you'll pray with me. This is, this is the prayer that is the title for the series. It's also a prayer that has been a part of the Vineyard Association churches for its existence. And this is a, a wonderful prayer. And so let's pray this way this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us with your power and your presence. Move in this place, we pray. Amen. Have you ever been duped before? Anybody here? Some of you have. I saw someone just raise their hand. Yeah. I Like hook, line, and sinker, you believed something was going to change your life for the better, but you fell for it. Like I am a sucker for really good advertising. And I, I you know, like there, there's a couple of things in my home that I own because I thought they were going to like revolutionize the way that I live only to find out that's not true at all. And for instance, over Thanksgiving, I was talking to my wife and I, I saw this advertisement for uh, Google Nest Hub. Does anybody know uh, what the Google Nest Hub is? Yeah, I saw it and I thought, oh my gosh, this thing is going to be great. I can run all of my smart devices from it. And uh, I'll have this little control center in, in my home. It's going to be great. Uh, side note, um, in our house, we have to use Google products because um, Amazon, you have to refer to Alexa. And it's really not helpful to have Alexa answer the questions that I have for Alexis. Um, it just doesn't work <laughs> very well. So we use Google. Anyway, I was excited to set up my, my Google Hub and have it control like all of my security cameras and smart lights and other stuff. But I soon discovered that while it will control all those things, I don't get the full functionality with this Google Nest Hub. And so now what I really have is just another machine to play Spotify with in my home. And it's just, you know, it's great. <laughs> my ideas, my hopes and dreams of a Shelley household futuristic utopia were dashed, right? Because I fell for the uh, advertising that Google has. I think though in faith, we have, a, we have this similar kind of experience, you know, certainly for different reasons, but there's, you know, it's not false advertising all the time, although I do think there is some false advertising in Christianity. I think of prosperity gospel, but, but it seems like for, for many followers of Jesus, you know, we think, we believe that following Jesus is better than not following him. And, and so we have this comparison of what life could be like with him. And sometimes it just, you know, we kind of get let down a little bit. You know, we, we can be dismayed with our faith because of the circumstances that are in our lives. And I know personally, there have been moments where I question whether my choice to be a follower of Jesus was, was really worth it. And for me, this is, this is really an, an integrity gap that it shows up because of my system of faith. And maybe that's not the best way to, to call it. But the, the system of faith, it requires me to not only be vulnerable about my inadequacies, but my, my, my own personal spiritual immaturity. I have to be real with that. And, and so for me to grow in spiritual maturation, it, it requires me to rely on a community of other believers who will walk beside me in this process of growth. But that's a really difficult thing to do, 
relationships, especially, uh, I won't say especially, relationships can be messy. They can be frustrating and difficult. And, and, and it's interesting because this whole idea of living in community with, with one another is not excluded from Christian advertisement. Uh, that's a weird way to say that. But it's not something that's buried in the fine print. It's plainly written and visible and multiple times mentioned in the Bible. In fact, it's even mandated in Scripture. Christian community, this idea, is, is, uh, is a part of the faithful life of following Jesus. But I have this gap in integrity because I know that it's easier to live in a less fulfilling existence with artificial community. You know, not really authentic. And so I find myself opting to choose a life of faith that's, that's quite frankly, anemic. It's, it's less robust. It's weaker, less effective. However, I am convinced that the life that Jesus prescribes for his followers, though it's filled with hardships, though it can be difficult, is one that is not only worth living, but also provides the most vibrant opportunity for a life that is possible. And I've caught glimpses of that, little parts of it. And I'm pretty sure that some of you have too. And so When we pray this prayer, come Holy Spirit, what we're asking the Holy Spirit to do is to come and fill us with his with his presence, with his power, so that we can do what it takes to faithfully step forward in this journey of faith with other people, to be vulnerable, to be authentic, challenged, and and transformed, to embrace the diversity of the body of Christ and all the gifts that Christ gives to that body. So when we pray, come Holy Spirit, this is what it means. Now, if you are interested in participating with what God is already doing here at Quest in the body by allowing him to fill you with his anointing and his presence, to allow you to use the gifts that he has given you to build up this body, to to be open to how the Holy Spirit might use you to transform your thinking or or to allow others to transform your thinking, then then I would ask you this morning, right now, if you're in for that, then answer by saying amen. Amen. Some of you are with me, the rest of you are not. That's okay. (laughs) If you're not ready for that, that's fine. But I'd ask that this morning you would continue to listen to what God is doing here at Quest to consider if it might be for you. Okay, so this lifestyle that I'm talking about, it requires more than what I call the sit and get, okay? The sit and get is essentially what you're doing right now. You're sitting and you're receiving uh, a word from me that, that the Lord was stirring in me as I was preparing this sermon. And the sit and get is a really important thing. But you also can sit and get in a lot of different ways, right? You sit and get when we uh, do worship. You're, you're kind of watching these other people use their gifts and, and you're joining with them. We sit and get in the discipleship classes. We sit and get in, in small groups. But that's just a sliver of the pie that the Lord has for us. If we want to live a vibrant life of faith, and, and picture this. This is a life where, where when you're down when you're struggling, when you don't have the answers to all of the questions that life is throwing at you, just one phone call away or text message or a DM is a friend who knows you very well, who's been walking alongside you in this life of faith, who will listen to what's going on in your life and care for you and pray for you and be with you in that moment. 
And that's just part of it, right? When, when, you, when you have something special going on in your life that you want to celebrate, that you want to have other people join with you in, you can um, invite the people in the body of Christ to be with you, to celebrate with you. You have all of these resources here at your fingertips, the spiritual, physical, intellectual, practical um, resources that we have in the body of faith. And you can offer yours as well to the body. New ideas, new thoughts, new relationships, new encounters with God, miracles, prophecies, lives changed and restored here in the body of Christ. And it makes life vibrant. It makes life vibrant when we live this way. Now, this kind of life that I'm talking about, it takes work. It's messy, it's complicated, it's frustrating, but it's fulfilling. So, when we opt out of some of the parts of discipleship, we miss out on some of what Jesus has to offer us. And that's what we end up with, something that doesn't really live up to the hype of the advertising. So this is what's prescribed to us as we follow Jesus and, and we live the way that he wants. From the outset, in fact, of the, the ministry of Jesus, he states a commandment. Essentially, it's a commandment. And for me, it was a seminal verse for my ministry. And I have it written on my wall in my office. It's Matthew 4.19. Here's what it says. By the way, when I did these slides... I, I use the color scheme. They're going to come up here in a minute. I use this color scheme to remind you of what the carpet used to look like in here. So I did, I've, I'm not ready to let go of it yet. I'm just kidding. Now, this is, this is at the, the beginning of Jesus's ministry. This is what happens. He says to his first followers, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is a commandment that Jesus has. It says, if you choose to follow Jesus, then ultimately what you're going to do is you're going to go out. You're going to find other people who are then also wanting to follow Jesus and you're going to bring them alongside you. And, and there's more to this. I think a lot of times when we hear this, we hear this verse what we think following means is that we believe in Jesus, that we, we, you know, we believe in his existence, right? But that's not what following meant to Jesus. The idea of following meant that he was a person, that, that a person was choosing to become a disciple of that specific teacher. And so when Jesus says this, he's talking to brothers Peter and Andrew, who, by the way, were fishermen. That's why he talks about fishing for people. And when he, when he says this to them, his expectation is that they're going to stop doing exactly what they were doing, drop their nets, and follow him, walk with Jesus wherever he went to study everything that he studied, pay attention to everything that he said, so that they could then begin to speak and act and be like Jesus. That's really what following was. It's a life of study. And then... Jesus runs into the, the sons of Zebedee, which they have a nickname, Sons of Thunder. I think it's a fun nickname. Uh, it kind of like a wonder how they got that nickname, you know, Sons of Thunder. Do they have booming voices or like really bad gas or something? I don't know. But God better laugh at 915. Okay. <laughs> All of these men that Jesus called. They understood that they were leaving their work as fishermen to study the life of Jesus, to, to walk wherever he walked, to eat whatever he ate, to talk to whomever he spoke with, to, to, to ask him questions about why he did what he was doing and saying. This is, this is the model of discipleship. It's this complete life change right in the midst of other people, inside and out. Not, it's not an instantaneous transformation, but it's this progressive transformation. As they, they walked and they talked with Jesus, they were being shaped and changed to be like him. 
And, and there were certainly some people who, who didn't follow Jesus as closely as the other 12 disciples. They only chose to you know, sit and get what he preached. But, but I can guarantee you that those who only chose to sit and get, they weren't living as vibrant of a, as a life as those disciples were. In fact, I might go one step further and suggest that those who did not receive the new life that Jesus was offering may have believed what they saw him do, the miracles that he was performing, but that, didn't, that belief uh, didn't translate into transformation. In fact, there's these um, two verses in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, that really indicate this. They, they come directly on the heels of, of two significant stories. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open up to John chapter 2. We're going we're gonna to focus in on 23 and 24 verses, but these two stories that, that are right in front of this is just fantastic. So we, the first story is the wedding in Cana where Jesus performs the miracle of turning water into wine. It's his first miracle. And this is at this wedding, the, the, they ran out of wine for the celebration. And so Jesus, you know, uses these ceremonial jars, purification jars to turn that water into wine. And then after that, Jesus goes to Jerusalem and, and he sees that, that people have turned the house of worship, the house of God, the temple, into a marketplace for selling things and he drives them out. And both of these stories show that what happens on the inside matters and, and, and is an indication of what is going to come out of those people. So in the wedding story, you have these jars that were a religious item used for ceremonial purification. That once they were filled with wine, they could not return to their former, former use. And this idea is, once we're filled, filled with the Holy Spirit, we are something new, a new creation. And Jesus talks about this in, in John chapter 3. It was a really fascinating explanation for it. Then in the temple, while it's supposed to be the place where God dwelled, it was filled with corruption. What was on the inside did not match the outside. And Jesus said that he was going to tear it down and rebuild it in three days. And then the Holy Spirit would fill it up and, and make its residence inside of it once again. Which, by the way, is the community of believers. As followers of Jesus, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so then come these verses. To, to elaborate the point that, that John was making by, by sharing these stories. John 2, 23 and 24 read this way. When he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing, but Jesus on his part would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. So they may have believed in the things that he was doing, but they did not allow that belief to change their lives. And this is the point. So many of us know about Jesus, but some of us don't allow him to change our lives. You know, we get just a taste of him and the taste is good, but we're not ready to allow him to have full control of our lives inside and out. This is kind of like the, the Google Nest Hub, man. You think it's going to be great, and then you start using it, and it's like, man, this, this is kind of a letdown. So how do we do it? How do we let Jesus take over what we know and what we do and what we think? How, how does he become the ultimate authority in our lives? We don't have a physical Jesus that we can follow the way the disciples did. You know, we, we, can't, we can't watch every step or move or word. We can't ask Jesus why he made the decisions that he was making. We don't have that luxury that they had. Instead, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Bible, and we have the Holy Church. 
And when we pray, come Holy Spirit, what we're doing is we are inviting God to bless us with a supernatural understanding of life in order that we might walk in the newness that Jesus is promising us. That's what we do. Come Holy Spirit. I surrender control and authority over my life in order that you might have control and authority in my life. Come Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Bible. Right, The inspired words of God written down for us so that we can glimpse a picture of what life with Jesus was like. What it was like to, to be with the Father or to experience the Holy Spirit. And this is really important for me. I'm not a, a vivid thinker. I'm not incredibly creative. I don't have that imagination. It's hard for me to think of what it must have been like for the Israelites to wander through the desert led by God. Relying on him to give them food and water every single day. But I read these stories about it and I'm like, oh, that's what it is. You know, I, I need the stories of, of Jesus calming the storm so that I can understand that he is a presence that can calm the storms of my life. That's why I need the word of God. I need to, to hear uh, about what it's like for people to be surrounded by a riotous crowd because they are um, sharing their faith. I need to know what it means to be bold. You know, without the word of God, I, I'm lost. And so I have to immerse myself as much as I can in the word of God so that I can be a part of the story of God. That's why we have this. Then we have the holy church, right? You and I as followers of Jesus, we are not called to do this on our own. We don't have a private faith. From beginning to end, the story of God has always been entrenched with community. The notion of a personal faith needs to be challenged. It's a construct, right, that, that was based on a culture that was creating a, a curated and individualized lifestyle that emphasizes personal control. Privatized faith is not the, the faith that we are called to in Jesus. A community of faith working together using the gifts that God has blessed the community with will challenge our thinking and our beliefs in a way that is led by the Holy Spirit. It, it will transform us into the likeness of Christ. In fact, Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4. And this is, this is what he tells us to do. This is what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, those were the first disciples, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, this is what it means to equip the saints, right? We shouldn't be sitting only in rows like we are right now. We need to be sitting in circles. We need to, to, to humble ourselves enough to hear the truth from our brothers and sisters in the church. We need to be bold enough to use the very gifts that God has given us to shape the community of believers that we are a part of. 
Okay, And I'm going to take it one step further. We should not settle for a church that is driven by one or two personalities. That's not the way of God. Even Jesus, he released his disciples to do his work. He trusted a group of flawed and broken people that he knew (laughs) were going to make mistakes. He allowed them to start the church. Jesus didn't stick around to micromanage. It wasn't all about him. He left to be with the Father, and he released that work uh, for the disciples. And, and this is what it means, that, that those of us who are following Jesus, we all get to participate in the work of Jesus. Now, I'm going to say this a little bit clearer, that I personally, Jeremy Shelley, will not do all of the work of the church. Ross Ottoman will not do all of the work of the church. Wendy Ottoman will not do all of the work of the church. And if we did, I promise you, this church would crumble because we are flawed and broken people. And this church is better when everyone comes together and uses their gifts to build the church up. I I even heard uh, recently some Christians utter the words that we can make this church successful without God. Just think about that for a moment. Believers, I'm put quotes there said, we can make this church successful without God. We're gifted enough, and, and it's probably true, they could create a successful organization without God. People do that all the time, right? But I will say this, that without God, it's not a church. What I'm saying is, when the body of believers do what they are called to do, when they are equipped and surrendered to the authority of God, church will not look like what we necessarily expect it to. It will be a supernatural experience that we are unfamiliar with, and it will require a reorientation of expectation, but it will be beautiful. It will be fun. It will be exciting. It will be vibrant. This means that, that it might look weird or messy, but that might actually be what successful church looks like. And if you're interested in taking a deep dive into this concept, then, then I want to encourage you to um, read a book by Robert Mulholland. Uh, this is a book that I, I actually just finished it this week, and it's called Invitation to a Journey, a Roadmap for Spiritual Formation. I have the QR code up there, so if you want to scan that right now, it'll take you straight to the Amazon site, and you can order it and have it shipped to your house. Worth reading. Every word of it is so good. Mulholland outlines a way for followers of Jesus to live into the vivid experience of faithfully following Jesus. And I'm going to quote him uh, because he says this so much better than I can. I'm going to leave this up here so if you want to scan it, you can. But these are his words. Mulholland writes, Corporate spirituality is life in the body of Christ, not as a metaphor, but the living reality of the presence of Christ in the community of faith. As individual cells of the body of Christ, we each have unique gifts of temperament, preference, personality, and character that exist for the welfare of the entire body. We are to be means of God's grace to the other cells in the body and in turn receive from our companion cells what God graces us through them. The areas of damage within us Our bandages are to be healed, liberated, and transformed through the support and nurture of the other cells in the body. Our personal, spiritual disciplines, rather than separating us from other cells in the body, become a means of binding us together in love and support as we seek each other's growth into wholeness. Mulholland 
What he's saying here is that uh, this concept, it's found in Scripture, it's rooted in Scripture, that the Holy Spirit empowers every individual within the church through gifts. These are spiritual gifts. They're they're meant to be used to build the body up. And and they, they they can come in many different forms, teaching and preaching and prayer, encouragement, wisdom. Right? Some of us... Have, can have miraculous gifts. People who've been given the gift of, of healing or the ability to speak in other languages, to share a word of knowledge about something that's unknown. On and on and on. In Scripture, they talk about these. The Bible talks about these gifts, and they are used to build the church up, to mature individuals into the likeness of Christ. But often, individual members of the church neglect to use these gifts because they're choosing to not learn how to use them. They're not sharing with the others in the body, or possibly they're afraid. They're afraid of what it might look like if the gifts were used, which is honestly what I'm probably most guilty of myself. Biblical recorded evidence and historical evidence has shown us that not only does the supernatural world look different, I was going to say weird, but I really don't like that word, It looks different than what we're used to, but people have also misused the the spiritual gifts for many different reasons. And and I'm going to be, this is kind of a confession moment to you. So what I say in this moment stays in this room. You're not allowed to talk about it at all outside of there. We're cutting the camera feed off right now. Personally, I'm afraid, okay, that our church services might become a strange place if we embraced this part of following Jesus. I don't want people to, who are not used to us on the outside to come in here and think that we are weird. I don't want that. I'm afraid of it. But the truth is, this is an integrity gap for me. Because ultimately what it means is that I don't want to relinquish control over how God moves in this church. And that's sinful. I don't know what it'll look like if we lean into what the Holy Spirit has for our congregation. But I do know that my choice to quench what the Holy Spirit is doing is sin. And I need to repent of it before you right now. I've, I've withheld <laughs> what I felt the Lord has been leading me to do here at Quest. And I think that this, this is what that is. That there, there are some of you who, who are here in this church who are eager to experience what God is doing. That you're, you're, you're eager to experience how the Holy Spirit might powerfully gift you to, to do the works for the body of Christ. And, and I want to pray for you. I want to pray a prayer of blessing and anointing over you today. A, a prayer of, of encouragement to use those gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you. There's some of you in this room that, that are maybe like me, and you're not sure that you're ready for, for that prayer, come Holy Spirit, because you don't know what it might mean for you or for this church. But I want to pray for you too. My prayer, though, is going to be one that, that you would have an open mind and heart to what God is doing, to be open to experience how God might move here at Quest. And, and there's probably still others of you that you, maybe you feel like you're on the outside of what we're even talking about right now. You don't know if you're even ready to follow Jesus and, and to, to, to begin to look like him. Or, or maybe you believe in him, but you're not ready to take that next step. 
if you're, if you're that person and you're on the outside and you're curious and you want to know more, I want to pray for you too. I want to pray that you would have an encounter with Jesus that is undeniable, where, where it, would, it would be an encouragement for you to take another step of faith uh, towards him. See, I, I know that we have a very special thing here at Quest. I've, I've known it for a long time. And I've been, quite frankly, protective of it, worried uh, for it, and fearful that if something changes, we might lose this special thing that we have. And, and I don't want to mess it up. But what I also know, and this is, I think this is the most important thing for me, what I also know is that I am not capable of thwarting the things of God. He is so much greater than I am. He loves this church, this specific local expression of the body of Christ here in Central College Road in Westerville, Ohio. He loves this church more than any single one of us does. And he is not going to destroy this church. So I don't have to worry that stepping into the very thing um, that we are called to step into is going to mess anything up. We should long to do the things that we are called to do as a church. Let's lean in to the Holy Spirit and see what the Holy Spirit um, has for us. When we allow ourselves as individual members of this body to be equipped by and used for the purposes of the Holy Spirit to build this church up in love as each part does its own work, that should be our goal. So my question for you today is, will you join me? If so, if you want to receive uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit, to be equipped for the work that you're called to do in this body, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to stand right now so I know who I'm uh, talking to. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Thank you. That's good. Stay standing. I, I'm going to um, invite some more people here in a second to stand up. If you maybe are not ready... By the way, and, I, and if you're not ready to stand, please don't feel the pressure to stand. I want you to be honest about this, right? There's no guilt, no shame, no pressure. If you're maybe not ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit and experience and be equipped for that, that's okay. But if you want to explore it and see what that's like, I'm going to ask you to stand too. Because uh, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you as well. And maybe you're on the outside of all of this. You're just, you're kind of coming and checking out what it means to even be a follower of Jesus. But you want to know more. You want to ask those questions. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand too. See, I'm, I'm curious what the Lord wants to do here in this church. I'm curious what it's going to look like, but I'm excited about it. And I'm so glad that, that you are too. And I know you are because you're standing. So let me, let me pray a prayer of blessing over each of you. If you don't mind, hold your hands out like this. And there's nothing, this is not, you know, like special. It's just a position that we put ourselves in to say we receive from God what he has to give us. That's all we're doing. So Holy Spirit, come. Fill this church. Fill these people with your gifts. Allow us to be equipped to do the work of the church and encourage one another and care for one another and heal one another and bless one another as you gift us. So Holy Spirit, I pray for, for those that are standing here that you would fill them up with your power, 
with your presence, with your anointing. Move in this place. And Lord, I pray for those folks who are standing that are just curious about what it means to follow you. I pray that you would come in a special way in their lives right now. That they would feel your presence. That it would be undeniable. They would experience your goodness and your mercy and your love. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill this place. Build us up. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing one last song of worship. And I want to encourage you, if you sense or feel the Holy Spirit moving in you, I, I want to encourage you to, to respond to that. Maybe, maybe you'll, you'll sense the Holy Spirit saying, you need to go pray for that person. I want to encourage you to step out boldly and go pray for that person. Or maybe, maybe you feel um, like the Lord is telling you something, maybe giving you a word of knowledge for someone else. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you uh, who to say that to. Go and move. Let this, let this moment that we're about to do as we sing together this final song, let it be a time of ministry where we can, as members of the body, minister to one another. So I, I, I just ask you to boldly respond to what the Lord is saying to you now. Let's continue to worship. We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.